All right, so Acts 19. These is this is the um, the baptism of John's final disciples. So we'll read it and then we'll talk about it. It says, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth. Uh, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands upon them the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied and all the men were about 12 okay so that's the text um, Paul is he's on his third missionary journey we saw that last week he went back to Antioch uh, the, his home church, that's his home church. So Paul was not just some kind of traveling church planner. He had a home church. It was in Syrian Antioch. And he uh, returned there after every missionary journey. So now he started his third journey. And we saw that it was one verse. Said he stayed there a little while, then he left again. And he he goes back to Ephesus, which uh, Luke, I mean, that's like a 1500 mile journey that Luke kind of just, and he left there and went to Ephesus. You know, that's pretty much all it says. Uh, but the next big event in salvation history is going to happen here in Ephesus. So while Apollos was at Corinth, uh, remember, why was Apollos at Corinth? Anybody remember? What happened to Apollos last week? Last week, Apollos showed up in the synagogue. And what happened to him? Oh, yeah, Aquila and Priscilla took him. Priscilla and Aquila took him in, taught him the way more perfectly. And then what happened? Y'all can come on in. The uh, the kids, uh, the, the kids, I was looking at the kids. The kids, the kids class is in there, and you guys can either stay in here or there's men's, women's class, whatever you want to do. Uh, the, uh, the Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos and... Um, Taught him the way more perfectly, and uh, then what did they do for him, with him? They sent him off to Achaia. They sent him off to Corinth. Okay. Here, let me get them. Let me get them where they going. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We just started. Okay, so Apollos is gone. We're in Acts chapter 19. We we kind of walking through the book of Acts in this uh, in this Sunday school class. Um, Acts chapter nineteen. Apollos has gone to Corinth. He's a missionary at Corinth. Paul comes, and what we're going to see here, what we're going to see here, is that these verses are going to be used by everybody and their mama to push their particular doctrine. And so these seven verses, we, we already read them. They were, uh, the, Paul comes, he finds these quote-unquote disciples. The disciples uh, spoke to him. Obviously, he heard something deficient in their, their witness, their testimony. And he asked them the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And then he says, unto what were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. He explains the gospel to them. John baptized with repentance. 
but he told you to look forward to the one who is coming, which is Christ Jesus. And they received that message, received the gospel, were baptized into the name of Christ. And then we have a, Paul laid his hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then we have the very last time in Acts where we see the, the tongues and the prophecy going on. So we're going to talk about all that today. Um, you got the baptismal regeneration folks. You got the folks who believe that uh, in order to be saved, you got to be. You have baptism is what saves you. They'll use this verse for their doctrine. You have the second work of the spirit, folks. The, you know they say you get saved and that's all good, and later on you get the spirit, and then the, they'll use this verse for their doctrine. You've got the uh, the speaking in tongues is necessary for salvation, folks. We'll use this verse for their doctrine. Uh, you've got the, the Holy Spirit only comes upon you when an apostle lays his hands on you folks that will use this for their doctrine. Uh, you've also got the ones that say you must be baptized by the formula in Jesus name that use this doctrine. So you got this, this, this why we're only going to do seven verses because there's so many people that want to take this verse and use it for their, for their own little doctrine, for their own little thing. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you, hopefully we'll discuss it about what the verse is actually showing us and that way we can we can understand what's what's actually going on okay uh, Paul returned to Ephesus disciples we've already seen their John's disciples because they were believing in the baptism of John what was John's baptism all about somebody explain it to me John the Baptist what was his baptism his baptism Paul tells us right here that it was for repentance right what was he doing what was he doing what was his ministry what was his calling he was telling them that the Messiah was coming that's right he was pointing forward to the Messiah he was forerunner he was telling them to repent in preparation for the Messiah who would come he was baptizing them uh, for repentance now a lot of people don't under understand well, not understand, but realize that John was not the first person to come baptizing. He was the first person to come baptizing in, in anticipation of the Messiah. But for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Jews had been baptizing people. Do you know what they were baptizing people for? They would baptize Gentiles who would come into to being Jews. You know, like if you were a Gentile and you wanted to be part of Judaism, if you want to be part of the people of God and, you know, uh, the, the time between the Old and New Testament, they would come, they would baptize you and they would do this big ceremony where you would, you know, say the Shema, which is the hero, O Lord, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they would baptize you and they do this ceremony, this ritual where you would come and, and you would uh, become part of the community uh, of God. Well, John the Baptist bursts on the scene, and what's he doing? He's baptizing Jewish people, you know, and he's baptizing them into the community of God based on the coming Messiah that was come. So that's why his that's why his ministry was so shocking. You know, the Pharisees and all of them went out to see John the Baptist. What are you doing? I mean, who do you think you are? You're baptizing people into the community of God who are already in the community of God. That's what they would say. And of course, John would say, no, 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 I'm I'm baptizing them and and for repentance in anticipation of the Messiah. Messiah. He said, don't say, John the Baptist told the Pharisees as they stood on the bank of the Jordan, he said, don't say in your heart that you're sons of Abraham, because I tell you the truth, God can raise Abraham's sons out of these rocks, 
right here. And so that's what John was doing. And these were disciples of John. We don't know whether they were there as John was baptizing or there to hear John's ministry or whether John's ministry had just carried through people's uh, bringing the message to the far, the, you know, the far reaches of the, the Roman Empire. But they had trusted in John's baptism. Uh, they were they were still they were not Christians. They were not believers yet. They were the best way to put it, I think, would be. They were Old Testament believers in a New Testament era. They had not they had not heard yet that the Messiah had come, that he had died and that he had uh, been resurrected and that the Holy Spirit had been poured out at Pentecost and and those things. They were still waiting. They were still in anticipation of the Messiah. And Paul realizes that when evidently it doesn't tell us how, but. When he's talking to him, he realizes that something's wrong. And he says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now, literally, if we're going if we're going to translate the the Greek text, it literally says, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit having believed? It's a participle. If you want the terms of speech and all that, I can give you that afterward. But it's almost um, it's almost uh, uh, if you take the word since you believe it almost sounds like he's saying uh, you get saved first and then you receive the Holy Spirit later. Like since you believed, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit? Because that's the next step. You know, it almost sounds like he's saying that, doesn't it? But that's not what he's saying. He's saying having believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? The point is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? You understand? Believer. Right. The question assumes the fact that if you have believed in Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. You see what he's saying? The question assumes. I mean, by asking the question itself, he's he's assuming that everyone who's believed in Christ, everyone who's been saved, to put it that way, they have received the Holy Spirit. And so John is not questioning question um, John uh, oh. Paul is not questioning them about have they taken the next step he's asking him if they have been saved he's asking them did you did you there's something we were not told what they say or what he hears but he hears something that's that's makes him question he said having believed did you receive the holy spirit and what's their answer we don't have well, the spirit that is. yeah now more than likely, and this is just me thinking out loud, more than likely what they mean by this is we don't know that the Holy Spirit has come. Because if they were, the Old Testament clearly teaches the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God moving, you know, clearly. And John the Baptist taught the Holy Spirit, didn't he? He said, I baptize you with water, but the one coming is going to do what? He's going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. And so, more than likely, you can say it either way. More than I, I'm of the thought that they probably were saying we didn't know that the Holy Spirit had come, or that the Holy Spirit dwells people, or that you know we didn't know that you know, or that we didn't even know that there is one, that there is such a thing, that he's that he's uh, 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 come and and poured himself out upon upon all those people. And so, what would be your next question if if I said if I said uh, Tammy, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were saved? And she said, I don't even know it was the Holy Spirit. What would be what would be your next question? If you, How do you know if you're saved? Yeah. How do you know if you're saved? How do you know? I mean, what 
why does Paul ask them about their baptism? He said, well, what were you baptized into? Why do you think, is it because baptism is uh, where God saves you? By going into the water, you get saved, coming back up, you're a saved person? I think he was just trying to make them realize the difference between their life before their their salvation and what they are now. Is there a difference Mm -hmm. in your life? Oh, I don't doubt that one bit. I'm pretty sure that's true. But if you've seen all the way through Acts... The connection between salvation and baptism is a real connection. I mean, there is, there is uh, believers in Acts, when they were saved, immediately they were baptized. Immediately. And you need to understand that it's not, it's not different than it is today. It's the same thing. You, know, you get baptized when you get saved. But in that day, in that day, when you were publicly baptized in the name of Christ, which means by his authority as a believer in Christ, when you were publicly baptized, you were separating yourself from this Old Testament Jewish community, and you were now being identified with this New Testament community in Christ, saying, I now believe and follow this Messiah. You know, I am, I am one of them. I am one of these. And it's the same thing today, uh, but in that day, um, it was, um, it, well, I want to say dangerous, but it was, it was, um, it was a separation of yourself from from them. So uh, there's a connection between between the baptism being uh, a public witness. For Christ, so you weren't just saying you weren't just saying like you know so many people do today. You raise your hand, you put it back down, and it's okay. I'm gonna sit. No, uh, what they were doing was when you when you express faith in Christ, that faith was expressed outwardly by the sign of baptism. You understand? Everybody makes sense. Makes sense um, because uh, <laughs> baptism. Paul tells us later on that baptism is a sign. The going down is the dying. And buried with him in baptism, being raised to, to new life uh, in him. And so it was a sign 200 years before Christ came. It was a sign that the Jews used to baptize converts to Judaism. It was a sign when Christ was alive, and it's a sign, it's a sign now. Uh, but people will use this verse to say that baptism is necessary for, for salvation. Why would people use, why would, why, how would you get that from the text? That it's necessary. First, they're they're baptized into John's baptism, and Paul rebaptizes them. Why does he rebaptize them? Now, remember, Apollos wasn't rebaptized, was he? Y'all are awfully quiet. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, just tell me what you think. Yeah, they hadn't trusted in Christ. They hadn't they hadn't realized that the Messiah had come. Remember, Apollos, it says, was taught in the Lord. So he was taught in the Lord. He, he knew of Christ. He, he preached the things of Jesus uh, and, and they made it more perfect to him. But these disciples, these disciples had not heard that John's uh, John's preaching had been fulfilled, that the Messiah had indeed come and that he indeed had died. And so I needed to go back to step one. 
Yeah, they weren't being they weren't being rebaptized at all. They were being baptized into Christ for the first time. So it was a it was a, a testimony that they had they had trusted in Christ. They were they were trusted in Christ. Now, so you can't use you can't use this as a second work of grace, like. Um, you know, you get saved on Monday and then you work real hard for three or four weeks and you get the Holy Spirit, you know, a month later. You can't use that for this because these weren't believers. I remember a lady calling church here. Not, this is many years ago. And she argued with me on the phone. That was when I actually took phone calls here at the church. But she argued with me on the phone forever. These were actual Christians. And I was like, no, ma'am, they were not Christians. And she said, yes, they were Christians. They just hadn't received the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, Paul in Romans says that unless you're led by the Spirit of God, you're not sons of Christ. You're not His. If you, unless you're led by the Spirit, you're not His. So how could they be Christians? And she, she fought tooth and nail that they were Christians. And I said, no, ma'am, they weren't. And we finally got down to the point, I didn't convince her or anything, but we finally got down to the point where I said, if these people indeed were saved then Jesus did not have to come. He did not have to die. He did not have to rise from the grave. And he didn't, the Holy Spirit did not have to come in Pentecost because they knew nothing of any of those things. All they knew was John's baptism. So if they were saved, Christ's whole ministry was useless because all they knew of was John's. And if that was good enough for them, what in the world was Christ doing in all that time that he came? And so all they knew of was John's baptism. And so you can't use you can't use this as a second work of grace. This was initially this was this was them being saved. This was the Spirit's coming in, in, in salvation. They didn't they said they didn't know of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they had he, you know the Holy Spirit they didn't know of Christ. And it says Paul actually, Paul didn't just say, hey, there was a Holy Spirit. Let's get baptized. Pow. And in the water. He, it says he explained Jesus to him. Look what it says in verse um, 4. It says, then Paul, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. He, he taught them, you know, he explained to them what John's baptism was. He explained that he knew what John's baptism was. And then he says, saying unto people they should, this is what John's ministry was. He explains the ministry was, they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. He told them what John's ministry was about, told them what it was pointing to and told him who the fulfillment of that ministry was. It was Christ Jesus. Okay. And it says, having heard this. So these people didn't just, they didn't, they actually heard Paul explain the gospel, explain who Christ was, explain why he had come, explain that he had come in fulfillment of John's ministry. And John's ministry was all about pointing forward to one who would come. And he did come when they heard this, then they were baptized. Baptized in Jesus' name. Now let's move on to the in Jesus' name folks. Any questions so far? Any misunderstandings? Anything? I mean, now's the time. If you got any questions, all no, ain't no dumb question. No? How did how if they were all in that area? How did they miss it? All in I don't understand. No, they're in Ephesus. Okay. Yeah, they're in Ephesus. They Ephesus was in Asia. It, it's Asia Minor, but it was in the Roman province of Asia, which is now Turkey. So they, they're, they're going to be in that region. So this is 1,500 miles from Israel. 
And so uh, they were actually... Actually, the gospel had just come. Well, it's probably had been a year because it's, you know, it takes a good six months to travel from Ephesus to, to Syrian Antioch. But remember the last time we saw Ephesus, Paul came to Ephesus just as a stopover on his way back. Right. And he he left uh, Priscilla and Aquila there and he preached in the synagogue and they wanted him to stay. Remember, and Paul said, I'll come back if it's the Lord's will. And so the gospel had just come to Ephesus. Right. Well, we need to put a little more time. It, it wasn't just six months since John the Baptist was preaching. This is going to be years and years and years later. Uh, John the Baptist came. Let's, we don't know exactly the date, so I'm just going to throw some dates out there. These are just off the top of my head. I don't have any evidence for But, you know, you could say if Jesus' ministry started when he was about 30, 29, 30, and lasted three years, John the Baptist would have been, would have been uh, ministering in, in what, you know, couple of years before Christ 27 28 29 AD uh, this is going to be around 54 AD so we're, we're talking a good 15 20 years later and the reason why they had not heard is because remember that um, there wasn't no email there wasn't no, there wasn't no mail there, was, there wasn't even really a good way to travel other than you know Rome had made all these roads that made travel more accessible than it had ever been but still <clears throat> You had to walk 1,500 miles. You know, you had to ride a donkey 1,500 miles. And so it, it took a lot longer for word to get out of things. And so the only thing, the, these disciples of John, we know that Apollos was in Ephesus before he went to Corinth. Remember, that's where, he, that's where uh, Priscilla and Aquila talked to Apollos, was in Ephesus. And Apollos was preaching the baptism. All he knew was the baptism of John. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord, but he, he wasn't uh, aware of the coming of Pentecost and all those things. And so uh, some people think that these were disciples of Apollos. I can't prove that, and I don't know that it's true but some people think that that's the case um others have you know have we've seen <clears throat> excuse me that John's message when John was preaching uh, the baptism of repentance that the Messiah would come uh, during Passover there were millions of people that would come in from all over the world and then after the Passover they would go back and so they may have heard his preaching heard his doctrine heard his all that and then went back home and missed all the you know all the the reality that Jesus had come Pentecost had come death burial resurrection so there's a lot of options I can't tell you exactly for sure why that they had never heard before, but in Ephesus they were they were um, the, the gospel had just come because Paul was preaching in Ephesus and left Priscilla and Aquila there uh, before beforehand, and so. They didn't know. They didn't know that the Messiah had come. They didn't know that Jesus was the fulfillment and that his death, burial, resurrection uh, fulfilled the things that John spoke of. Does that, that answer your question? Anything else? I mean, now's the time to ask. This is like this is like the most debated verses in the world. I mean, surely. So the, you said the 15, 20 years is from when John the Baptist 
Yeah, and that's just, I can't be, I can be sure that, uh, that, that Paul was in Corinth um, in 51, 52, because Gallio was the proconsul. We have inscriptions from Ephesus about, or in Corinth, about Gallio being the proconsul from 51 AD to 52 AD. And so I can be sure that Paul was in Corinth at 51, 52. Was that his third journey? No, that was his second. Was he, his second. He, he had okay. gone. After that, he went back to Syrian Antioch, and now he's on his third going back to Ephesus, okay? That's so, yeah, around there somewhere. And so we're going to be in between that time period, 53, 57 in there, in there. Paul died in like 64. So we're going to be we're going to be right in that period somewhere. Now, Jesus's ministry and we're just we're he was 30 years old, three year ministry. Say he died when he was 33. So, you know, you're putting it there. There's debate about when he was born and all that kind of stuff. So it could be two or three years this way, two or three years that way. I'm not going to be dogmatic about that, but at, at least you can say it was 30, 33, 35 AD, right in there somewhere. Uh, and so now it's 51, 55. So you're talking at least 15 years, probably more like 20, 25 years after Christ has died, resurrected. Okay? And so, Paul comes, he hears these folks' testimony, whatever they said was, he, he could tell something was wrong, ask them, we've already seen that it wasn't, it wasn't a second work of grace that they needed. He was asking them if they'd received the Spirit, if they'd been saved. And they said, we didn't know it was one. He explains the gospel to them by telling them what John was pointing to. He explains the gospel to them by telling the fulfillment of John's preaching. And they were baptized again, having received what he said. They were baptized again. They were not again, but baptized for the first time in Jesus name. Now, what does it mean to be baptized in Jesus name? Got a whole group of people that says, if you ain't baptized, I had a youth one time that was here and, you know, he professed Christ. Oh, he's gone now. I don't know whether he's saved or not. This is years ago. He's an adult now. Uh, I think he's got a family now, too. But uh, he uh, professed Christ, was baptized. And, of course, we follow Christ's command to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's how that's how Christ told us to do it. That's how we do it. Uh, and so he was baptized and his grandfather was of a denomination that don't believe that way. He came to see him baptized and he, uh, of course, uh, Brother Eddie baptized him and he said uh, by based on your, he says, what we, you know, based on your profession, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, all this. His grandfather told this youth that his baptism didn't count and he wasn't saved because Brother Eddie didn't say in Jesus' name. I want to know what denomination believes that. I'll tell you afterward. <laughs> it's a lot of them. I mean, it's quite a few. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oneness Pentecostals believe that. Yeah. There's a few others, but that's that's the main one. Why can't you tell us that? There's several want to know. Oneness Pentecostals believe that. Uh, now, make a distinction here. Uh, I didn't want to get into a big denominational thing, but make a distinction between Pentecostal and Oneness Pentecostal. There is a distinction. Oneness Pentecostals don't believe in the Trinity. They believe that God revealed himself as the Father in the Old Testament. God revealed himself as the Son in the New Testament. And now God is the Holy Spirit. 
So it's almost like it, it's modalism, really. Or, or it, it, I mean, it's as old as the second century. So it's not, nothing new. It, it was a heresy then. It was de- decried as a heresy then. It's still a heresy today. Uh, but it's like God is the Father, and then He goes behind the curtain, and He comes back out, and He's the Son, and He goes behind the curtain, and He comes back out, and He's the Holy Spirit. When we know, and we've talked about the Trinity before, that God is one God in three persons. He is the Father, He is the Son, He's the Holy Spirit. And so, um, most, of, most of them will use this verse and others, Acts chapter 2, different verses, uh, to say that unless you are baptized by the formula in Jesus' name, I mean, you have to say the words in Jesus' name. If you're not baptized in that formula, it don't count. It's not right. Ain't that nitpicking? Huh? Aren't they nitpicking? Well, I mean, I, I think so. Jesus gave us the, the formula, if you want to call it a formula. He said, go baptize, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so that's what he did. That's what he, that's what he gave. You, you want to say something? No. Okay. Yeah, he, Jesus gave us the formula. The formula was the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Why would they go with something? This isn't Jesus that said this. Why would they go with Right, but you got to be careful, right? There. You got to be careful using that argument because you don't want to put one section of scripture against another section of scripture because we know that. Right, right. Well, the the point that they're making here is to be baptized in Jesus' name means you're baptized in His authority. Means you are identifying yourself with Christ. Uh, if you were being baptized in, if you were being baptized in in the first century uh, into into Jesus, baptized into Christ, what was going on was you were separating yourself from the old Judaic system. You were separating yourself. If you're a Gentile, you're separating yourself from the pagan system separating yourself from all these other things and you are being identified with Christ to 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 uh, to bear someone's name is to come in the authority of that person like for instance um, just right off the top of my head I can think of when Peter and John were standing before the Sanhedrin Acts chapter 4 we read this before we looked at chapter 4 they asked him in, in, in whose authority and in what name do you teach these things you see they were coming in Christ's authority and so to be baptized in his name is not a formula to be repeated like a parrot. It is, it is to be baptized trusting in Christ and his, and his authority, his messiahship, his salvation. You understand? And so when, when, when it says to be baptized in his name or to make prayers in his name, or that's where that in the name of Jesus, you know, we always, I, I end my prayers that way. You know, we just pray this in the name of Jesus. That's where you pray everything in the, in the name of Christ. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're repeating a formula. It means that you're coming in His name. You are coming by His authority, by His by His Messiahship, by His righteousness, by what He done. And so when they were baptized in Jesus' name, it wasn't Paul just saying the words, I baptize you in Jesus' name. They were being baptized into Christ. They were being baptized because of their faith in Christ. They were being identified with Christ. And not just a repentance of John's baptism. Not just a repentance of John's baptism, but neither was it just, you know, to be honest with you, 
Just saying the words in Jesus' name, amen, doesn't mean you're praying in Jesus' name. You're praying to the Father based on the authority and the righteousness that Christ has given you by dying for your sins. Does that make sense? You're coming to the Father in the authority of the Son because of what He did. I I don't have any right to come before the Father in my own righteousness or in my own goodness or in my own anything because I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. You know, no one has uh, seeks after God. No one's done anything good. There's no one righteous, not even one, Romans chapter 3, but by Jesus' righteousness and in His name and His authority, I can come to the Father and make my let my request be made known and He hears me and he, I receive what I ask because of Him. And so I'm praying in Jesus' name. I'm not just tacking the phrase on to the end of my prayer in Jesus' name. I am praying in His name. I'm praying in His authority. Same way with baptism. I'm being baptized as a, as a response to my faith in Jesus. That makes sense? Okay. Is there any questions? Anything else? Comments? Cries of outrage? No? Why do these sprinkling instead of immersion? Sprinkling, yeah. Um, Anyone get their hair wet? There's a lot of different ones that actually sprinkle. Um, there's a lot of different justifications for it. Um, the word baptize means to immerse. Exactly. So you, you can't get around that. Uh, the, that's one of the things that when they translated the, translated the New Testament, they left that word untranslated. I mean, baptizo is a Greek word, and they just left it as baptized. They left it untranslated. If they were to translate that word, it means to immerse. And so there are... You know, this is a real timely discussion because there are instances where people can't be immersed. I mean, I, I ran into one last week. We, well, I told you about it. Didn't I tell you? what Was that last week I told you? Anyway, uh, you know, this guy, let's just say, let, let me just give you a, a hypothetical. This exact situation hadn't happened, but something very close to it has for me as a chaplain in the hospital. You know, people will come to faith in Christ as they're lying in their ICU bed, you know, and they'll, and they'll repent and trust in Christ. And, you know, they're never going to get up out of that bed. And I can't, I can't baptize them because they got feeding tubes and hoses and stuff. Medical staff refuses to let them up out of the bed. Definitely refuses to let them be immersed into water with all that stuff going into them. So what do you do? What do you do? Um, I am not of... Boy, I'm, I'm stepping off into deep water. Just go ahead and step off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Miss Judy. Yeah, I do. There are some people that say that that man in that bed is going to go to hell because he cannot be immersed in water. I'm not one of those. But neither am I going to do some ritual with water on his forehead because I'm not, I'm not you know, neither am I going to do that thinking, well, that's good enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. There are some people that demand that. That's what I want. And as a chaplain, my job is to <laughs> call somebody that will do it for them because I won't do it. Um, so it, it really goes to two questions. Is I want to say it this way, and I want to be real careful because you're walking a fine line here when you're speaking because the book of Acts does link 
baptism with faith in Christ. So you're walking a real fine line when you just dismiss baptism. I'm going to tell you, if you're asking me how to phrase it, baptism is necessary because it's commanded. But baptism is not what saves you. Baptism is not what makes you right with God. Because when Christ told that thief on the cross, you'll be with me in paradise. Be with me in paradise. Yeah, I agree. Water around. I agree. I like the way you said it too. You said it with your neck. Don't be the same as just like when you do the youth. And if you walk up on a wreck or stabbing or whatever, somebody's dying. And in their dying breath, they accept Christ and they repent. But they're not baptized. Now, see, that is a, that's the common, if you're taught, and, and I, I work with some folks where I have, I've had this discussion over and over again, and their response is always going to be tough. You, you had plenty of time. You had pl- you had plenty of opportunity. Should have done should have done it before now. Right, David. They're taking that away. They're taking away the graciousness of the Lord. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you. I agree. Just like Michael said, that that falls under grace. I believe that that falls under grace. I do. What? I'm not saying it, it expunges or does away with what the Bible says by any means about baptism, but I believe you give your heart to God, the true repentant heart. And that's where the grace of God comes in. And oh, sure. Wipes everything else yeah, grace is grace is what saves us. Grace by faith. Yes, ma'am. But you know, the same thing he said is, what if someone was on his way to his own baptism and he has a car and he dies? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same. It's the I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, that's why. That's why it's it's. Um, it's important to understand what Scripture teaches about baptism. Over and over again, it is necessary. It is commanded. There is no if, ands, or buts. It is a command of God, and it is a, a, a matter of obedience. In, but then again, right, but then again, no act of obedience is what saves you. No act of obedience. I don't care what it is. I don't care. You can't go and do good enough at anything that's going to actually enact your salvation. And so it is, it's the first act of obedience that, that you do. Now, there are people that are going to, we're going to see it again in Acts chapter 22. We're going to see another verse that's often used for baptismal regeneration, folks. And we're going to talk about that when we get there. Yes, sir. What about in Corinthians? First chapter, verse 17. Read it to me. I ain't. Paul says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, which the cross of Christ should be made in Right. And I use that as well to show that there's a difference between baptism and the gospel. Paul said, I, God sent me to ba- not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So Paul himself is making a distinction between baptism and the gospel. And we know it is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we know it is the gospel that saves you. And so that's all those are good. All those are good arguments. Uh, as long as I want you to be sure, I want to make sure that, is it time to go already? Oh my gosh. I just want to make sure that you understand that uh, this uh, this is a it's a it's a separate from a gospel issue okay paul preached to them so we've talked about baptismal regeneration folks we talk about second work of the spirit folks what about the tongues folks it's necessary for you to speak in tongues in order to be saved that's what happened right no no i don't 
I don't. I don't agree either. But I can make a very good case that tongues is a known language that you haven't learned. It's not just some kind of language. Well, where do they Nobody. Well, well, I, we'll talk. I've got a whole thing on the website about tongues. If you want to read them. Oh well, then you should know. You should know. You should know. Let me ask you this: We got to hurry up. Why? Right here. Remember, we've talked about this before. There's only only three times in Acts that tongues are mentioned. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and right here in Acts chapter 19. You can make a, a case that in Acts chapter 8 it was there, although it's not specifically mentioned, but the Holy Spirit didn't come upon the Samaritans until Peter and John came and laid their hands upon him. Why did they speak in tongues here? Why did the Holy Spirit tarry until Paul laid his hands upon them? Anybody know? I'm going to have to tell you because we're running out of time. A new group of yeah, it is a new... That's exactly right. Every time salvation moves to a new people group to fulfill Jesus' command, you see a repeating of what happened at Pentecost. Think with me real quick. The very beginning of Acts, we saw Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What did Jesus say? You will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the utter ends of the world. Right? And we have seen that play out in the movement of salvation to Acts. What happened at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit came... On the Jews in Jerusalem. Bang, there it is. Okay? Then you have in Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to the Samaritans. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon them when Peter and John, the apostles, came and laid their hands upon them. You have the same phenomenon. Bang, there it is again. Jerusalem, Samaria. What happened in Judea when uh, a Gentile, Cornelius, but he was a God-fearing Gentile, one who believed in Judaism, one who accepted the God of Israel, That when that man in Judea happened and, and salvation moved to a new people group of these Gentiles who were Jewish converts, what happened? The same event happened. Pentecost is, is, is repeated. So it wasn't really repeated, but you know what I mean, so to speak. The same kind of things happen. And then here, at the uttermost ends of the earth, a total Gentiles, nothing, no Judaism at all, no, nothing about the God of Israel. They receive, and the same thing happened in fulfillment of John's prophecy. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so you see, every time it's a mirror of what Jesus said You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other ends of the world. Every time the gospel moved to one of those places, you see this little uh, uh, Pentecost event, the events that happened at Pentecost repeated. And you never see him in any... Is it necessary to speak this way to be saved? No, it's not. Because Paul didn't do it when he was saved. Lydia didn't do it when, he, when she was saved. The 3,000 on the day of Pentecost didn't do it. We don't have any record of them doing it when they were saved. 5,000 in Acts chapter 4, we don't have any record of them doing it. The Philippian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch what, didn't do it when he was saved. Over and over again, the only time you see this phenomenon happen is when salvation moves to a new people group. When it moves to a new people group in fulfillment of Jesus' words, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other ends of the world. Okay? All right, I got to go. We're running late. All right. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word. We ask that you be with us as Brother Eddie's preaching, that you would be with our hearts and, uh, and open them to your word. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Not...